Welcome to this episode of Lux Insider with me, your host Anita Khatri. We are in our fourth week and I'm truly overwhelmed with the feedback that is coming my way. You all have been generous. Last week, Porsche launched the first ever fully electric model of the Taycan in India expected to be delivered in the first quarter of 2022 the electric taycan versions are priced starting at rupees 1.5 crores the taycan will be available in four saloon models taycan taycan 4s turbo and turbo s porsche has also released the latest version of its compact suv macan priced at rupees 83.21 lakhs onwards the latest macan comes in three variants Macan Macan S and Macan GTS Last year with the onset of the pandemic it was forecasted that the luxury industry would be worst affected However as many countries began reopening the phenomenon of revenge buying took the industry by storm The recovery can be touted as quick and positive as per the study released by Bain Consultancy The luxury goods sector is set to move past the COVID-19 crisis this year, fueled by domestic spending in the United States and China, particularly on high-end shoes, leather goods and jewelry. They estimate that global sales of personal luxury goods will reach 327 billion USD this year, bouncing back from the pandemic with a 4% increase compared to 2019 before the pandemic hit. This is indeed good news for the luxury industry. And lastly, pop sensation Harry Styles has launched his beauty brand Pleasing, joining the bandwagon of celebrities and influencers who have launched their beauty brands with the likes of Rihanna, Kylie Jenner, Kim Kardashian, Jennifer Lopez, Drew Barrymore, and back at home too, Katrina Kaif, Anusha Dandekar, and others. That's all the news from me for this week. If you join me in my last episode, I had promised I would be joined by a fashion designer. Any guesses? When you think of fashion in India, Anita Dongre is a name you cannot miss out. Her brands are synonymous with every Indian, right from those who have worn apparels from and and global desi to capturing the minds of would be brides and grooms her fashion entrepreneurship is inspirational from two sewing machines loaned by her father to becoming one of india's first fashion designer to have a flagship store in new york she also believes in women empowerment anita dongre foundation is a step in this direction giving number of rural women an equal opportunity She is an environmentalist and believes in compassionate living which is why her designs do not use any fur or leather. We are indeed privileged to have her right here with us. Welcome Anita to Lux Insider. Hi Anita. <laughs> We're to Anita's here. Thank you so much for having me here and thank you so much for the kind introduction. As I said, there is a lot more to Anita which we are going to discover today. Uh, thanks for your time, Anita. 
since it's Lux Insider with our very first question, what does luxury mean to you? I think luxury really means to me, um, it's uh, it's the best possible that you can. So I, I will relate this to, to this to maybe lifestyle. So it's, it's possibly the best that you can, the best quality that you can wear, the best quality that you can use. And uh, for me, it's it's beautiful design uh, with comfort and, uh, and and just the best that can be produced. Very well said. Quality and the best. That's the way luxury is. Uh, if we look at the changes that you must have seen in the Indian fashion consumer since 1995, you know, there have been so many changes. Can you just tell us a little bit more about these changes that you have seen since 1995? Uh, well, uh, in uh, I mean, I, I'll speak for India because I'm an Indian fashion designer, and you know, I, I you know, for me, the consumer is Indian. Uh, though we are in New York today, and now we're a global brand, but it started with you know from India. Um, there is definitely a, a huge awareness of design. There is respect for designers today. There is an awareness. Uh, the consumer understands each designer's signature look. So there's a huge, huge awareness of brands and designers. And I think that is the big change. And uh, and the whole retail um, environment in India has changed. You have malls, you have shopping areas. People are buying, uh, you know, ready-made clothing as versus going to the tailor and getting it stitched. So it, it, it's a rapidly changing scene in India. We were referring to India. We are proud that you made India proud. Yes, I always believe that it's important to first first understand your own home country and and reach a certain volume and scale in your own home country before going beyond India to to other countries or cities. Yes, I'm sure. Your journey has been vast and fabulous, I must say. But there must have been many challenging moments, especially for, uh, you know, till the time you set up the house of Anita Dongre, from Anne Private Limited to house of Anita Dongre. Can you tell us little bit more about that. Anita, it's been a very interesting journey. I, um, you know, I've always been a kind of a rebel child. Uh, I come from a very traditional family. I've always had to fight for what I wanted to do, whether it was, you know, uh, crying and throwing a big tantrum with my mother at the age of seven because I wanted to learn dance. And she said, good girls from our families don't learn dance to at 15, again, crying and saying, I want to learn fashion design and then doing that. And then again, crying and saying, now I'm taking up a job and, you know, being told no. So I was used to a lot of no's in my life right from the beginning. My mom was always like, you know, I don't know where you've come from and, you know, why are you always fighting for? Because I never told the line. I was never this this daughter that I think my parents wanted to me to be. They're very, very proud of me today, of course, but I had to fight. I had to always fight and I could never understand why I couldn't do what I wanted to do. I mean, right from starting the business at at, at, at the age of 19 or 20 um, from my house to, um, to constant struggles, um, I don't know, when I look back, I always wonder, I, I think when it's the, when, when, when you have a goal ahead of you and you're passionate about what you do, those struggles at that time don't seem like struggles because you're just so determined to do what you want to do and and you just go ahead and do it. So there have been a lot of, it, it's it's been a bumpy road for me. It's never been a smooth, straight road. 
um, you know, right from arranging finance to run the business to, to putting everything together to taking it to the scale it's today, which is extremely large. It's a very, very large company today. I think one of the largest fashion houses in India. It's been it's been interesting. I've had my moments. Uh, there are times I've uh, I've broken down. I've cried. There are times I've gone to sleep saying I don't think I can go on. But this always the morning has always you know made me into this determined person again. Where I've woken up in the morning and said no, of course I can. You know this is not going to get me down. This is something so small. I I am going to go ahead. So I just think it's it's. Um, when you're really passionate about what you do, you'll fight for it. So, yeah, I've had to fight for a lot of uh, a lot of what I've achieved today. And I'm sure you you will uh, agree with me as well that a lot of women have uh, uh, you know come up uh, and are normally receive a no from their parents, but not many women come to the stage where you have. So. Once again, congratulations. You spoke about scaling up. And, uh, you know, the fashion industry is tremendously competitive, dynamic, ever evolving. To scale up business in the fashion industry is pretty challenging. But you have scaled it up from one brand to five brands under House of Anita Dongre. How did you manage to do that? It's really, really happened very organically, Anita. It's been quite a few years I've been in business. It's been now about, you know, more than 25 years, almost 30. Uh, all the brands have happened organically. I've had enough time to, um, you know, I always say these are like my babies. So I've, I've, you know, I've always had enough time to have these babies, nurture them for the first few years. And I strongly believe that today uh, my job and my role is to really bring in the best professionals in my company, mentor them, and then to leave them to do what they can, you know, they would do to the best of their ability, is to surround myself with good people. Today I'm at a stage where, um, where that's exactly how I think, you know, maybe not in the earlier years, I used to have this tendency to do everything on my own and I really, really worked hard, but today I really work hard on bringing in the right professionals in the company, mentoring them, guiding them, and and really playing the role of mentor today. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's great to work with some fantastic young professionals that we have in the company. It's great to share, um, you know, the enthusiasm and joy that we have in building what we do. It's great to go in and create every day. So today I basically only hold the post of creative director in the company. Uh, we have a CEO, we have a whole lot of professionals managing everything else. And I finally get to do what I really love doing. As an entrepreneur, You, when you're starting the business, I mean, I'm, I'm really good at creativity, and but I landed up doing everything. There's no role in the company that I haven't done. But it's not some you know you do that when you're when you're starting up for quite a few years because you 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 can't afford to employ people and you tend to do everything yourself. But today I'm at a stage where I'm honestly doing what I love to do and that is just basically going and heading the creativity in in just one of my brands, which is my signature label Anita Dongre. All the other brands are managed by creative heads who've been in the company with with me, young girls who've kind of started their careers with me and, you know, now have risen to some, to, to very, very responsible senior positions. So it's a good space to be in now. It's, it's great fun. Right, Anita, I agree with you again. Uh, people are the ones who make the corporate world uh, and the brand successful. Yeah, I mean, a great team. You're as good as your team is today. So 
I'm focusing on always, always ensuring that I have a super team. Congratulations on launch of your new bridal collection. You've included a millennial star like Prajakta Kohli as a face for this collection. Like, was this is a strategic move? Do you think social media influencers make an impact on the sale of luxury products in a saturated marketplace as it is today? You know, I think Prajakta is a lovely, lovely young girl. My brand really stands for... Uh, uh, I've always... We started the bridal wear brand about uh, eight years ago. In fact, it was the last, uh, you know, I, I did ready to wear and then I moved into bridal wear eight years ago. And I always wanted my bridal wear to stand for this young, independent, self-made woman. And that is the basic essence of my bridal wear brand. I have huge respect for women who carve their own path, who, who literally shine in their careers and who are completely self-made. When we were shooting this this particular collection, and I've, I've, I've done this always, I've always showed this uh, this bride to be independent, a woman who is, you know, has the strength of her own conviction. And uh, Prajakta just came to mind because, well, she's exactly that. She's self-made, she's confident, she's young, she's a go-getter. So, you know... Who else but her to, to show this new collection? So that's why it was Prajakta. The Indian wedding industry is a very big market. Could you share with us your reasons for entering into bridal couture? So, you know, Anita, for every brand that I've created, I have done it from a very, very emotional uh, state of mind. I'm not somebody who's created any brand by done a market research or decided that, oh, in fact, when I in, when I started the wedding wear line ages ago, in fact, everybody told me this is such an oversaturated market. You're the, I, was, I was called the queen of breath. And they said, you're the queen of breath. And why would you want to do bridal couture? I, mean, I was actually asked this by a lot of the media people who, who you know, when I was giving my first interviews for my first collection. But um, I, I had already, um, you know, um, done so many ready-to-wear collections. The two brands were on their feet. And I was really, really itching to, to create a, an evening where uh, a wedding wear line that was so different from what I thought today's woman needed. Uh, eight years ago, I think I'm the only Indian designer who kind of went into the mind. And I always say I designed with empathy of the Indian woman because no longer was this Indian woman the same Indian woman that she was 20 years ago. While everybody was making these super heavy lengas, lengas you could not move in, lengas which I thought were very, very impractical. For me, comfort and practicality is such an important part of my design language that I really, really wanted to show and wanted to show this new Indian woman that here I am as a designer who's going to design these, you know, beautiful handcrafted artistic lengas, but they can be light. My lengas had pockets. I was the first designer in India to create pockets in all my lengas. I started with the craft of Gotapati work, which I'm very passionate about from Rajasthan. And that craft allows your lenga to be lighter because the basic craft is so beautiful, so exquisite, but your lenga is not heavy. So I really, really used a lot of intelligence to create lengas that were gorgeous, beautiful, but suited this modern Indian bride. And that's why the wedding wear line is such a huge winner because um, I, I, it struck a chord with the Indian woman because today's Indian woman was dancing at her own wedding. She probably dances more than anyone else. She was not standing in one corner. I, I mean, I, I think design must reflect this, the sociological change around you. You must get into the head of the woman whom you're designing for because design to me is an emotion you know you wear the right garment if it's correctly cut correctly what design embellished it takes you to an elevated state of mind it makes you more confident it makes you happy 
And I've always said this for me, you know, designing clothes is actually making the wearer happy. And I'm glad to say that we, we make the, some of the world's most beautiful lehengas and, and they make my wearer very, very happy. And that makes me happy. Well, uh, a lucky young woman of today, I must say, you know, the way you describe the thing, it almost makes you feel that you want to go back in time and get married once again and become a bride. Oh my God, Anita, <laughs> so I said exactly this to myself. So I was much happily married, but I said, I'm going to create lengas that I want to get married in again. So I was like, I would want to wear one of these, you know, so that's exactly what was the thought process. Well, you have done it. And I've had so many well-married women literally, literally coming up to me and saying exactly what you said, that Oh, we got married too early. We wish you could get married again. And I'm like, no problem. Just wear the lenga. You don't have to get married again. I've noticed many fashion designers house jewellery brands under their own name. Is housing a jewellery brand an interesting business opportunity? Or is there another reason for it? Anita, I can't speak for others. I can speak for myself. So I, I, I created Anita Dongre Pink City because, you know, it all it just started with when I was shooting my bridal collections, I like to style the whole look and I would inevitably want the kind of jewelry I wanted for my, for my you know, for the, for, for the model to wear, for my brides to wear. It really play, actually just started with this completing the look. I mean, today I'm doing bags and shoes. It's, it's all about a designer envisaging an entire look for her client. So, you know, jewelry plays an important role in, in, in how you dress. Your back plays an important role. Your shoes play an important role. So it's ultimately about just owning the full creativity of that whole ensemble. Actually, yes, you're right. Like a consumer who appreciates Anita Dongre clothes wants to, you know, uh, appreciate that design and that sentiment in every aspect that the customer embraces. Yeah, and my clients love it because, yeah, they come in and, you know, they get to buy the whole look, which is so important. And you know, Anita, Chanel, Versace, Gucci, Louis Vuitton, Hermes have been successful globally in fashion. While in India, they have seen healthy sales in the accessories and beauty verticals. In the fashion segment, they are yet to achieve success. What do you have to say? I think the Indian consumer, um, for us, our, our biggest occasions is weddings. And I think the Indian consumer uh, really, really loves um, wearing her Indian clothes. And I'm really, really, I, I and thank God that we have, you know, stuck to our Indian attire and, and we cherish our culture of, you know, wearing beautiful hand-woven saris, of wearing our lenga cholis. And I think Indian designers design Indian wear the best and... Um, and, and we have, you know, you've got great talent in the country and uh, you have amazing talent in the country. And, uh, and I think the Indian fashion industry is doing extremely well. And uh, it's, it's great that the Indian consumer is, is buying homegrown designers. Totally. I mean, to say, uh, you know, while we are totally westernized and uh, well-traveled, but we, uh, we have our culture, which is very strong and uh, we love our Indian culture. It's, it's the same thing what I felt. You know, sustainability today is a big trending topic now. In fact, uh, even before lockdown happened and the pandemic hit the world, sustainability was already been, uh, uh, you know, it was reflecting in many luxury houses and luxury houses talking about it, brands getting involved in it. But uh, in the lockdown more so, it's become a trending topic now. What inspired you to take up sustainability way ahead of the curve? 
because you were there already. I mean, that that is how I am as a person. I I I, I run this big fashion business, but I think I. I always think about, you know, what am I doing? Uh, sustainability to me is utilizing our planet's limited resources with utmost respect. It's about mindfully taking only what we really need. It's about giving back more than you take. It's about the planet. For me, sustainability is also about social sustainability. It's about people, you know, uh, around you. It's just about how you live your life mindfully. And I think... Um, um in a in a society that's uh, that that's uh, that's so materialistic today uh we've all stopped sometimes we have all stopped thinking you know it could be a small thing about you know you're picking up a coffee cup and then you're just throwing that in the trash can it's just about it's about using it less and it's about trying to be mindful about everything that you use so um i i think my upbringing i has always been very mindful and um, as a young child, I mean, you know, these are just small things that your parents teach you. Don't waste, switch off the lights and fans when you leave the room. These are just such small things that today's young generation takes so much for granted. And it really begins with the small stuff, I think. It really, really begins with the small stuff. As we create more and more waste today, um, all of us need to just take a collective pause and think about how we can create less waste and how we can support brands that are doing something about, you know, being as sustainable as possible. I'm not saying that we can all get a 10 on 10 and, you know, completely tick all the boxes. But I think if all of us just made small, small efforts, it's going to go a long way. Everybody's, you know, the whole country, the whole world's, human population, if everyone does small changes in their lives, and these can be really small, as simple as just composting your 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 waste in the house, recycling your plastic, paper, electronic, whatever wastage you have in the house, just small things can make such a big difference. So you're absolutely right. Yeah, Anita, small things make a big difference. Totally correct. Every little thing counts. Every, Every little, little thing. thing. Yes, absolutely. Just by absolutely. even, you know, ensuring that you 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 eat more plant-based diet, that's good for you, that's good for the planet, that's good for your body, that's good for the that's good for the planet. Meat is one of the largest, you know, fashion, of course, is also a large. And I always say buy wisely, buy good quality, repeat your clothes, learn how to mix and match your clothes. So it's all about using less and it's all about using it and in disposing of your fashion by making sure you've given it to somebody else who's going to rewear it. You know, washing your clothes less, using less water, being mindful in the shower. Oh my, there are like hundred things, you know, I, I can reel off, but then every small thing makes a difference. Every small thing makes a difference. We just need to live more consciously, all of us. Like a uh, grassroot where I was uh, uh, understanding the grassroot brand, which is where design impacts life, handcrafted, but also heartcrafted, very well uh, positioned. You know, it was very impressive to know about grassroots also. So at grassroot, we specifically work with rural communities, uh, mainly women, but it could even be, be men, craftspeople, where we consciously create a collection that involves a rural, a rural craft. It's, it's something I'm really passionate about. Grassroot is something I'm really, really passionate about. Ola collections, even the last collection, which is Ode to Burj, made a conscious effort to, you know, the entire collection to have craft. 
uh, whether it was block printing from Ajrak or Bandhani or whether it's, you know, working with the women in Seva in Gujarat who work from home. Um, I think when when you use design for good, um, it truly makes me happy because, you know, there's so many people who benefit from from the design that you create where you consciously ensure that um, that somebody is handcrafting it and somebody is, is gaining from that. It just makes it so much more meaningful for me. And I think you always look for meaning in what you do. I mean, for me today, everything is about finding meaning in what I do. I, I was just going to say there's so much more to you, Anita. I, I just would be very keen that I'm sure my listeners also would like to know what actually inspires you in your life. Huh. I'm inspired by so much around me. I, I'm passionate about what I do. I'm passionate about my work. I'm passionate about, you know, waking up in the morning and leaping out of bed and going to work every day. I'm passionate about making a change in people's lives. Um, that's what I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about the fact and I feel humbled and empowered that, you know, with design, I can, I can, I can take a collection and, you know, ship it across to to 500 women in a village in Gujarat, four hours away from Ahmedabad, and they will sit in their homes and beautifully embroider my design, send it back to me. Then I send it to the stores and some other 200 women will come in and buy it and, and, and feel so much joy and happiness in wearing it. I think this whole process excites me. It just excites me so much. Well, thanks, Anita. That's, uh, that's very, very uh, inspirational to know that, uh, you know, you wake up with that kind of uh, feeling to contribute in every person's life and touch their lives. That's, that's so inspirational in its own self. What is next for House of Anita Dongre? What can uh, people expect? Um, people can expect lots and lots of more new collections. People can expect a lot of work with some newer craft clusters that I've been wanting to work with. Um, yes, just just going to still continue making more and more beautiful clothes. <laughs> because that's what, like I said, makes me happy. And nothing makes me happier than, you know, women who come up to me and say that, you know, we bought this from you 15 years ago. We still wear it. We still love it. Um, I want to create clothes that people have in their wardrobes forever. We look forward to getting those and uh, ensuring that uh, we get hold of those for sure. As and when we need it, not simply buying, but as and when we need it. Uh, what is your prized luxury possession that you value? And is there a story behind that? Uh, maybe just what I wear. I mean, you know, I, I met a friend the other day and she made this statement to me and she said, you know, I've known you, Anita, for like, 23 years and she said I first met you you wore the same pair of diamond earrings and you continue wearing them till today so maybe it's just I, 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 don't, I don't know I just kind of wear the same earring I wear the same watch since so many years it's just like me they become a part of me I, I don't feel the need to change them are they my prized luxury positions I don't know I think that's what luxury becomes they just become a part of your life so I remember my husband gifted me this watch 23 years ago and I, you know, like a typical kind of sometimes, you know, like a middle class Indian, I put it in the cupboard and I said to him that I'm only going to wear this on special occasions. And he looked at me and said, it's a watch I bought for you to wear every day. Why would you only wear this on special occasions? And that's when I really understood the true meaning of luxury. Luxury can become if you're part of your everyday life. And I've worn that same watch for, no, not even 23 years. I would say maybe like 30 years 
And I'm curious to understand which watch is this. Sorry, I'm jumping in. Anita. No, it's, it's it's just a Chopard. My husband gifted me 30 years ago when we just got married on our first trip abroad. And I've just worn that one watch every day for, for the last 30 years. And he really taught me that the true meaning of luxury. He said, you wear luxury every day. You don't take it out from the cupboard on a special occasion. And then that part, that watch has just become a part of my life for 30 years. And yeah, um, to me, I suppose that's what's luxury. That makes two two of us because even I believe that totally. And uh, it's nice to know that uh, that's your prized possession. It's nice to know the uh, emotion that the bond that gets created with these uh, some of the products that you adorn on a daily basis and they become part of you. Very uh, well explained, Anita. And uh, I would say thank you very much. If you have any other um, point that you would like to share with our listeners, go ahead. Um, no, Anita, thank you so much for having me on your show. And um, yes, it was a pleasure talking to you. No, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I know that it has been very tough for you. And, uh, you know, in spite of all that uh, uh, tight schedule, you gave us time. We really, really appreciate. Thank you so much, Anita. Thank you. Bye. And thank you for listening to this episode of Lux Insider. Make sure you subscribe to or follow this podcast wherever you're listening to it right now so you don't miss out on the next episode. I am your host Anita Khatri and I'll be back next week with yet another exciting episode.